Good to be back around campfire again at Kraken Cove. Yeah, it? yeah, he's chuffing good to be back, mate. Yeah, he's really good to be back. <laughs> oh no, don't be getting all salty. You about... sent me to mainland. <laughs> you sent me to mainland on a mission, and then you get somebody about chess. <laughs> about you know, like chess, a ghostly what? chess match. It's a treat for you, kid. Oh, deep yeah. dive. You even said at the start, deep dive. Dave said, "This is one for you, Ben." Well, thanks, deep dive. Don't be getting comfortable in my chair, pal. That's all I'm saying. Wow. Oh, that was such a good tale, though. Good, though oh, I loved it. As soon as it started getting into it, I'm like, what? 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 Well, Ghostly the, chess matches. Well, the interesting thing about it, though, as well, about that one. So, if you haven't actually listened to it yet, the last episode was the uh, the go- was the uh, uh, chess match from beyond the veil, where there was a, uh, a, a two chess grandmasters played chess against each other. The, the trick being, or the twist being, that uh, one of them had died 30 years previously. <laughs> that is incredible. I love the bit about style, and you can't copy someone's style and stuff. Amazing yeah, episode. Just yeah, and all, of all those 80-odd facts that you have to yeah. get right, yeah, you've got, yeah. like, God knows how many of them right. Can't explain it. that. It's unexplainable, isn't it? It's, it's unexplainable. Also, yeah, unless yeah. It. But the thing is, well, the automatic writer, because it took so long as well, because he suffered from ill health. Oh, right. So he was really ploughing on, trying to get this right and yeah, get it done. Yeah. Three weeks after the chess game was completed, he died. Bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really weird. I'll look at a little bit more information about it, but that's, a, that's just another fact. I mean, let's face yeah. it, Deep Dive Dave covered just about every single possible hey, why, angle. Brilliant. Yeah, well done, Dave. Well done. I'm not yeah. salty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's build up the fire here, me and you. Yeah. you know, let's get to, I've already chucked on those three sheep carcasses that I found floating down river. And I had a bit of cod that I found washed up there. Yeah, on. there's all that seaweed smoking yeah. away there. I had a couple of planks off the pier. I didn't do too much. Oh, but... that was you, was it? <laughs> just what? Watch where you're standing. Every third plank's gone, mate. But look at, look at it. It's blazing. It's a lovely big fire. It fucking oh. stinks. <laughs> <laughs> What we need to do now is we need to set, start, tell a few stories around the it because it's it's Halloween at Crack and Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. I'm Benny. So today we're going to do some more little Halloween spooky tales and things. We're still collating a, a show for the end of the month, which is going to be the big one, the big one about um, uh, uh, the readers, listeners' stories, exactly. if possible. Exactly. Some beauties coming in. We need more, though. Yeah, There's still time. More. There's still, still time. time. Yeah, get involved. Just get involved. If you've got a story. And Callum, get your arse in gear, pal, and send him in, mate. What? Well, <laughs> <laughs> He's japping on about it down at docks. Oh, God. get your arse in gear, Callum, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Some faffing around. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you did want to get involved, you can send us a little voicemail message, perhaps, or, or, or an email with it written down, and me and Benny will, will read it out. And you can send that to crackencovepodcast at gmail.com, or you can get in touch through Twitter at crackencove, or on Instagram at Crack and Cove Pod. So, you know, just reach out. Just even if it's a little bit something a bit weird, something that goes bimp in the night. Yeah. You know, just let us know. Like, it's a horror as well. You don't have to be spooky. It could be something scary, yeah. you know what I mean? Something that's happened.
appearance, you know what I mean? Some yeah, serial be. killer after yeah, you. Yeah, something <laughs> super bleak. You yeah, know? man. But remember, if uh, the best story for that episode is going to be receive the copy of the book um, Damnable Tales, uh, cu- curated by Richard Wells. I have to apologise to Richard Wells. Yeah, um, you do. <laughs> Because I was so fucking tired when I was doing the recording on Instagram the other day and on Facebook that I actually accidentally called him Richard Daniels. He's, he's calmer after my uh, those two policemen that I can't say, you know what I mean? <laughs> Other people get names wrong, Matt. He probably is. He probably cursed me or something. Um, but uh, Richard Daniels is actually the uh, in charge of Plastic Brain Press, and he's on my Instagram feed an awful lot. And I just got the names because <laughs> I'm a bit of a divvy too. <laughs> exactly. But thanks, honestly, though, it's, that yeah. book looks excellent. I just want to steal it for a bog reader. I just can't do oh it. Oh my god! <laughs> you better come up with a story then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah true. Can you imagine that massive fix if you get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did do a bit of reporting on mainland. That's next episode, is it? Oh, right. A bit of a shocker, to be honest with you, what I found out there, but we'll, we'll wait till next no, week. No, you, it'd be something a bit, a bit, a bit blue. A bit blue. <laughs> In a hole-ish. Right, we'll see what comes of that. But for now, what I need to do is cast our lighthouse light out across the sea, into the space, onto the mainland, and let's see what spooky things we can find. Yeah, baby. Boat out the harbour this evening in the uh, in the dark murky depths of the uh, Kraken Cove, mm. right? Is a little bit of a, a, a shout back to uh, not last episode, episode before, right? Which is the first of our Halloween sort of set, really. And you asked me a question. I can't remember where. But <laughs> it was about werewolves. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, and you sort of basically saying like you know like oh African werewolves and yeah. every continent is uh, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, as it happens, every continent. Has werewolves. Wow. Except Africa. Ooh. Were they, as usual, in their weird way, because it's the biggest continent. It's yeah, exactly. massive, it's an amazing, uh, full of rich cultures. Yeah, yeah. The birthplace of all of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know the I mean? heart of darkness. So, as usual, they go the extra mile <laughs> with weird hyenas. Oh. <laughs> Oh no! Hyenas. <laughs> thought of it. Right? The gross. And this is uh, by Harry Spitzer for Atlas Obscura, which is a great website. We've, yeah, we've yeah. had a few stories from them. They're really, 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 really good. And this is the myth of the weir hyena and the fear of the other in the Horn of Africa. Africa's horn. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Don't Google that. <laughs> 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 Ain't no rhino. <laughs> is it like the shape of? The it's cave? the shape as it comes down. The, oh, the, the, and it tapers yeah. down. Sweet. The, the horn of Africa. Oh, I never the heard that. The top of it is like you know it's all where the deserts. And yeah, the yeah. All that stuff and it goes down. The girthiness at the top. In the village of Atuga, Ethiopia, on any given night in late October, the local farmers make sure to return from tending their livestock well before the sun sets. Markets close up, and mothers beckon their children home from play, a distinct note of urgency in their voices. Were you playing by the blacksmith's house? A mother might ask, and she ushers her children indoors. You know you are to stay away from him, and the children nod their heads. 
though it is about 2.5 miles from the nearest town, Atuga might as well be its own province. It isn't just silent after dark. With fewer than 200 residents, the hamlet melts into the countryside, an accessory to landscape rather than an urban force imposing its will. From the safety of their homes, the residents can hear the sounds of the East African Highlands. A steady buzz of insects, chirps and nightjars, and every so often, the high-pitched yip of a hyena, almost passable as human mirth. Mirth. Laughter. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Rattled by the sound, mothers took their children into bed each night with a warning that the weird hyena transforms at night and they have a taste for children. <laughs> Sweet dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> or do. <laughs> I can hear them outside. And yeah. Everything. <laughs> like, Fuck you, hell, man. at door. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, they're horrible. No. Terrifies mm, me. They are. Terrifies me, do they? They do. According to legend, weir hyenas have long plagued places like Atuga around the Horn of Africa, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan. Kids who wander away after dark are at risk, and strangers passing through town are subject to suspicion. That sound you could swear was a human voice calling your name from a distance? Weir hyena. Unlike the folkloric werewolf cousins, weir hyenas can be either human born or hyenas disguising themselves as humans. Oh, Going down shops. Uh, Wait yeah. a minute, it's full of hyenas! I know, can we oh. imagine? Also, unlike werewolves, weir hyenas are believed to be capable of transforming at will with the help of a magic stick or a sprinkling of ash. Sometimes the smell of human flesh alone can be enough to trigger transformation. And in one sense, the origins of the weir hyena legend make perfect sense. Hyenas and humans have had a consistent and adversarial relationship that dates back to the earliest human presence in Africa. For millennia, the nocturnal creatures have been known to converge in cackles at night, breaking into village huts, killing children and ravaging livestock. As Marcus Baines Rock, who studies human-animal relationships as a research fellow at University of Notre Dame, puts it, these days, humans tend to see themselves as in total control of their environment, but in rural Africa, a hyena attack is not a freak accident. It's an unfortunate fact of life. There's some acceptance that we're not the apex predator. Oh, that's scary, isn't it? Now, where we're hyena folklore takes a surprising turn is in the exact other that they came to represent. Known as scavengers, really. Right, but I mean, the thing is, is well, they are known as scavengers, hyenas, mm, yeah. but the, they they aren't necessarily scavengers. They do scavenge, yeah, yeah. but the reason people think of them as, as, as scavengers was because they'd sort of like they'd see like a lion with a kill, yeah, and um, around it'd be like a pack of hyenas looking all hungry and that. Yeah. What have actually happened more often than not is that the hyena made the kill in the night and the lions yeah. come and take the kill off of it. Yeah, that's it. The lions. So they all stood around, sort of screaming, going fucking wanky. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? that's so, ours. But because we're sort of known as scavengers, the animals were just seen as like antagonistic, but cowardly and repulsive as yeah, well. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? That's what that's yeah, just going to yeah. shiver off at any moment. Yeah. So one early myth originating from the Ivory Coast describes how hyena attempts to convince all other animals to kill the first man and woman in existence. Oof. Fortunately, dog warns our ancestors, foiling hyena's plot and saving humanity. 
So uh, dog saved us from hyena. If you look at the bigger picture rather than a one-off event, if you look at how many times that a dog is going to bark at hyenas coming, it could have saved us. It could yeah, have been sneaking it. up at night and eating yeah. all of us. Exactly, you know what I mean? And it's But what they're trying to say as well here is that because of these sort of myths as well, the hyenas yeah. come to represent something lowly and vile and sort of something of an other population, yeah. something other of otherness, you know? Now, in Ethiopian folklore, where hyenas were referred to as a Buddha, a term synonymous with the evil eye. In Hamhara tradition, this notion dates back to creation. Uh. As legend goes, Eve was the mother of 30 children. One day, God asked her to show them to him. Suspicious of his intentions, Eve hid 15 of her children. When he discovered her disobedience, he cursed the children to be Buddha as punishment. Over time, the term became synonymous with the lower, uneducated artisan class and blacksmiths especially. For a time, all blacksmiths in Ethiopian culture were believed to be Buddha, capable of wielding the power of the evil eye to transform into white were hyenas at will. And the belief in Buddha continues today. This is strange, <laughs> it's such a, everybody needs a blacksmith, don't they? And, you know, they're so downtrodden or like, gossiped about. That's well, I think, I think there's also, there's another side to things as well. I think there's also seen as you are transforming one thing into another thing as yeah, a blacksmith, you know, metallurgist type. Yeah, exactly. Doing you know, it themselves. Which is, brings us on to the next point, which is blacksmithing was a profession traditionally dominated by the Jews of Ethiopia. Oh, right. Like a tiny minority in this country whose presence there dates back to antiquity. Also known as Beta Israel, and believed to be descended from the tribe of Dan, who had fled the civil war in the kingdom of Israel between Solomon's son Rehoboam and Nebat's son Jeroboam, the Jews of Ethiopia weren't allowed to own land or attend most schools. God. And this left them with the only profession left was blacksmithing. Right. An inherited trade that required no formal education. So basically they'd yeah. start at home with, with the dad and the dad yeah, and teacher and that's yeah. it. You know? So everybody needs blacksmithing, but they're still suspicious of these this, yeah. this particular Cornered art. a trade and you still need them. Yeah, this is it, you know. But what they also did then, they also pinned other myths that were in their cultures mm. onto these otherness as well. So, yeah. so for example, the blacksmiths were others. They were the Jewish people. But then they also believed that because they had this particular power to sort of transform metal, transform metals, they, they had other sort of like rumours abounded then. So further dehumanising them, legend had it that Jewish therianthropes or shapeshifters would rob tombs at night in hyena form, yeah. defiling bones and consuming any human flesh that remained. A lingering smell of rotting flesh was believed to be the best way to un identify the weird hyena once it had transformed back into a human. So that's another thing which, you know, it could be the case that sort of certain dishes that, that like uh, the Jewish uh, people might eat, yeah. you know, they, they, they're turning around and saying, oh, well, it smells weird, or, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it an unusual like smell. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So the weird thing there is, it's that thing of being other, something different, yeah, something unusual, yeah. and that epitomises what the hyena is. That yeah. outcast type of it, you know, <laughs> exactly, being skulking yeah. around in the shadows. And I, I find it really weird that, that Jewish persecution is a worldwide thing. You know it's old, I mean? isn't it? I was just thinking that. It's like they can't go nowhere, can they? Well, I weirdly enough, this is something I did a look into. And the fact is that the, because Israel was 
uh, owned by the Jew. It was a Jewish sort of like, well, it's a Jewish country. It's where yeah, they lived. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And then I thought to myself, well, why is the Jews all over the world? Yeah. You know, if I mean, obviously Christians, but the actual Jewish tribes are all over the world. Yeah. They were genuinely cast out of Israel completely oh. by the Romans. Were there? Yeah. Wow. So they were. So the basically the entire tribes were scattered to the yeah. wind. Tribes of Solomon, Dan, different people like this, like I say, they just oh. literally had to just wander the earth without a state and without a home. God. And that's why Israel was sort of taken back in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, to take it back back then, they did have, obviously have to uproot the populations that were already there, the yeah. Palestinians yeah, yeah. were there. So they do, basically took a massive chunk of Palestine, yeah. or as it was called, it was turned into Palestine by the Romans. Yeah. Um, they had to take a massive chunk of that country back and give it back to Israel. Yeah. But now this is why the uh, the Orthodox Jews in Israel now are saying, well, no, it's not just our part of land. All of this land here is ours. Yeah. That's why they keep pushing on the West Bank yeah. to get more and more. So this is why it's an almost un unanswerable Such a problem. Box, isn't it? It's unanswerable. You can see it from both sides so strongly. Yeah. Can't you? I remember hearing it once with like Mossad and all the, you know the the when, once you get in a fight with Israel. You, it's a vicious fight, isn't it? They, they really go hard. Go oh yeah, well, away. Mossad were uh, well, they still are a force to be reckoned with, but apparently they're kind of lo losing their edge a bit recently. Oh, Mossad, yeah. yeah, they're sort of going on like mad missions, sort of like yeah, because it's there's almost like a, driven by paranoia. Sometimes they're going into other countries. Yeah. Like, there's like twenty five sort of agents all going to a hotel room dressed as men and women. Some of the men dressed as women, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and things are just becoming farcical. Yeah, you know? they're, they're still extremely weird. dangerous. Exactly. Oh, the main reason I was going to say it was the, the, the saying that they are trying to push us into the sea and kill us. You know what I mean? That we give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. You know what I mean? They're so who's this then? these uh, Israelis you know what I mean oh, just, what thinking, yeah, yeah the fight you know their fight they just feel like they're they surrounded like yeah and, the, and wow. everybody's trying to kill them so they're just like so vicious with the retaliations like with Iran and all that sort of stuff and you're right they've, they've done some crazy stuff that we, yeah. which we've covered haven't we well, see, I, I just really hope it all kind of just sort of settles down a bit really <laughs> you know I, mean? I don't think it will like it <laughs> Do you no, I, don't, I really don't. Going on to hyenas, though, I think I've said it before on the show, but a female hyena's got a fake cock. Yeah, what? It, it's so pack driven, and any oh, weakness is yes. just totally turfed away. You know what I mean? It's like some Spartan tribe or something. Yeah. So even the women, just to fit in with the men, say, We will do the job as good as a man and don't ever look at me different than a man. They've actually evolved a fake penis, you know what I mean? Wow. Just so the runners are male dominated, you know what I mean? Yeah. Killer banda. Banditos. So, so this is it. But, I mean, the thing is, there is lots of cases. I mean, I, uh, obviously, it's a side of things where you know, the turn around and saying that it, it, it's, this is why they say the mother saying to the children, "Don't give me the blacksmith." You know, yeah. just behind it. And I, I just sort of think it's so weird because they'll, they'll in the morning they'll be going to the blacksmith to get something made. <laughs> yeah, you know that's what I mean? it. Yeah. It's so bizarre that yeah. they need it. But uh, every culture, every village, every town, city, we need a scapegoat, don't we? We're absolutely yeah. vile about stuff oh, like that. No, we love to hate the, the odd true. or the you know we want to pin it on them. Not me. Don't get me get. Well, them. it's always the poorest. Everyone wants to yeah. stamp on the poorest yeah. because they always want something to be better than. Everybody yeah. wants somebody to be better than, and, and also that isn't just somebody to sort of like revile and think, oh, you're lower than me. It's also a fear yeah, of those. Yeah, don't take my shit, you yeah, know what I mean? It's yeah. the fear that the poor will rise up and yeah. stuff, you know. There was a great um, cartoon back in the day when it was, uh, it was it was an image of four coal miners in a car. Oh, yeah. And, and it was seen as something almost obscene. Wow. The reason being is that people who did such lowly work getting something which is seen as a status symbol like yeah. a motor car 
was seen as, oh, well, you know, the world's going to hell in a handcart and earth coal miners can afford cars. And that oh, means God. as well, if they can get about and travel, oh, the coal miners are coming to get something. Yeah, you know what God. I mean? Because they were seen as the lowest of the low, even though everybody needed coal. Yeah. And coal drove the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> oh, no, well, let's all hate the coal miner. <laughs> wow, it's just yeah. our nature, isn't it? We're absolutely vile deep down. We're absolutely, the first reaction's vile. Yeah, um. it can be nasty people. It can be good, though. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we can be good yeah. sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's what, what I think I always said when I ever, ever had a shit day at work. My ambition, as soon as I left that land, them fucking grotty gates, mm. uh, was to try and do a good deed. Oh, that's good. If well, I had a really go, shit day, you know yeah, what I mean? It's good answer off license to spend a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, there you go, sir. Loads of cash. Now give me your booze. That's it. Get shit face. Feel like you've done a good yeah. deed. Skipping over it. I've done a good deed. <laughs> Helping small businesses out. <laughs> discovered if uh, any proper sort of like true encounters with a weird hyena and I don't think yeah. you're ever gonna get that yeah, the simple yeah. reason is uh, you, you basically got attacked by a hyena there's every chance you could be saying it's a weird hyena or not yeah, so you don't know so the only way that we actually sort of know that hyenas are a weird creature is just through myth legend and rumor mm. but sometimes some creatures can be sort of amazing and terrible yeah. You know, real creatures that we know of. I mean, the hyena is an amazing creature, like you said yeah. before, because you know, women got dicks. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But this is a story about a butterfly. All right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it doesn't always have to be dark for Halloween, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a story from Patrick Barkham for the Guardian. Mm. When caterpillars of a beautiful butterfly were introduced onto the tiny island of Sotunga in the Highland Archipelago, right, which is in uh, the Baltic Sea, so it's like a Norwegian area, yeah, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, scientists hoped to study how the emerging butterflies would disperse across the landscape. But researchers did not realise that their introduction of the Glanville fritillary led to the emergence of three other species onto the Baltic Island which sprang out of the butterfly like Russian dolls. Some of the caterpillars contained a parasitic wasp, uh -huh. Hypocita horticola, which bursts from the caterpillar before it can pupate and become a butterfly. God, I hate parasites. Living inside some of these small wasps <laughs> was another, even tinier, rarer parasite, a hyperparasitoid wasp known as Mesochorus, Stigmaticus. So a wasp inside a wasp? A wasp inside, inside, a, caterpillar. A, inside a caterpillar. Oh, that's so mucky. And it kills the parasitic wasp around the same time as the wasp kills the caterpillar <laughs> and emerges ten days later from the caterpillar's carcass. <laughs> Laughing like hell. <laughs> also along for the ride... Oh, <laughs> Jesus. ...was a bacterium that is carried by the female H. horticola wasps. Which oh, one's that? Which the, 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 the one that survives? Uh, yeah. No. Oh, right. <laughs> and it's transmitted. Th and it's, it's carried by the Hypocita horticola wasp, which is the second one. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so you got the butter. You got the caterpillar. <laughs> yeah. You got Hypocita horticola, yeah. right? And this carries um, a, a a bacterium, right? 
As in bacterium, as in bacteria. Uh, yeah, it's a bacterium. Yeah, a big type bacteria, same bacterium, thing. same yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's called Warbachia pipentis, or pipientis. And it increases the susceptibility of the parasitic wasp to be overtaken by the tiny parasitic wasp, the Mesochorus stigmaticus. Mm. So it's because that wasp is carrying this bacterium yeah. that means it makes it susceptible for the super tiny wasp to attack it. God, how does bacteria do that? That's scary. I know, but but the thing is now what the found thought. Oh well, that's it then. The the uh, the butterfly population's fucked <laughs> because of these wasps. But it isn't. Oh. They've found that all these different creatures have found balance within themselves. Oh my god! Living off each other, mm. um, exploding out of each other, exactly oh. killing each other, and just these weird cycles of absolute horror just keeps going and going and going and it just seems to have just balanced out because it's a funny one isn't it you know you're like a normal animal will give birth yeah a parasitic animal must inject the birth you know what i mean into summer you know it's yeah well it inject it well it do, well actually that's, that's exactly what happens it, it's it injects an egg quite often a parasitic animal it will it's got to it's got to have a method of getting its egg into you yeah, or into yeah. its host and some of them use like, uh, like I say, like an injector. They'll, they'll pierce the abdomen of a caterpillar, oh, and they'll pot, force the egg into <laughs> it, right? <laughs> or there's another way you can eat it. Say like worms in your oh, stomach, yeah, you can ingest yeah. it. So yeah, that's another yeah. way of doing things, you know. Yeah. But the, the problem you've got quite often is with in, with uh, hoping an egg's going to be ingested. Is it could be damaged? By yeah. ingesting, so actually the most brutal and easiest method just fucking stab it in there. You know, oh, what I mean? yeah, that's that's what it's like some space alien thing in it. You know, what I mean, that's even oh god, that's yeah. awful. But these other ones that you know, like um, ones carrying water, do awful things like they can just swivel up your asshole. And, and you'd be a dickhead. That, that one up the wee wee, that one. Yeah. What that goes there? It swims up your wee. Yeah, that's mental. <laughs> that's a bit like the strongest swimmer in the world, isn't it? That one. It would be for mine when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking race. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You sound like a, a donkey with a metal bucket underneath it when you're in pants. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that, that's basically what's happening with these creatures. The only one that's really not a winner in any of this is, is, is the butterfly. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I tell you what's not the winner. That fucking island. Why do they do that? Why do they? Oh, let's bring a lot of toads to Australia. Well done. Well, the reason to, do you know why? Well, the, there's always a reason to get rid of somewhere else and to yeah, do that. They're just true. like, no, no, think of a different idea. Don't bring a bloody animal to do the job. Well, Has the, it ever worked? Oh, this, is, this is the problem we're still doing now when we're still importing like trees. For example, certain plants and trees are importing over here. They're thinking, do you know what? It's easy to just stick a ton of trees from China on a, pla on a plane or on a, on a boat. Yeah. And they ship them across that way. And next thing you know, it's like now we've got the, uh, the ash tree, is one of the most beautiful trees, in, I think, in, in England. And it uh, the ash tree is it's almost like the uh, unwritten hero of like uh, our landscape is the ash tree yeah. uh, it is a native species immense, immensely important uh, everyone goes on about the British oak and all this yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. The ash tree really is the, the tree that makes our landscape what it is. Wow, right. You know, you, you look in any given direction, you'll see an ash tree. Yeah. Uh, the constable's Haywain, which is a very famous painting, that's all ash tree is there. You yeah. know? And so what we've been doing is rather than growing our great ash tree here, like as it should be, and you know, taking shoots and seeds and stuff, planting yeah. and growing them here. Oh, it's a lot quicker. Just ship them all from China. Which we've oh. been doing. Next thing, though, we've got a, a potentially deadly virus or disease called ash dieback, which is killing loads of ash trees, and it potentially could wipe out every single ash tree in the So that policeman can't paint them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
You cheeky little chappy. <laughs> well, you got a warning, don't you? <laughs> Quick dab job. <laughs> it's a funny name, isn't it, Constable, though? Yeah. wonder what came first. Yeah, true. Are you in old, then? Yeah, he's really old. Yeah, about sort of, I don't know, sort of 17, 80s or something like oh, that. Right. It's pretty yeah. famous. It's one of the most famous pictures I've ever painted. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the hair wave? The hair wave. Yeah. Get it up. Come on, let's have a peek. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it later. All right. No, I, I'm, not, I'm going to see it. I yeah, probably, know it, probably I can't. know it. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. it. So that, anyway, that, I, I digress. But it is true. We shouldn't be sort of shipping stuff around. It's all right to ship stuff around as long as we're cautious. Yeah. And we take care. It's not just about making money. I, mean, I, I think their cause to do it was to study this butterfly. It was probably had a good. You know, it had a good heart to it, but you know, you don't know. It shows what you're doing on a small scale. Is like, you just imagine them now going around with like these fire suits on and flamethrowers, just burning everything or something just to get rid of it all. Oh, it's some horror show. You think I, I, I hate that about when they're trying to eradicate the um, the signal crayfish from a lot of rivers yeah. because these are the white claw crayfish is our actual. Uh, it, yeah, it you mentioned these. Yeah, we, we, we have talked about this on the cove before. And when I was a kid, you used to find. You know, the white claw crayfish just under rocks at Bolton Abbey, yeah. just down from the street. Ooh, street blood! <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and nowadays you can't, you just find the red claw one. And so they thought, oh, well, how do we eradicate all the red claw crayfish? So what they did was they just chose a stretch of the river and poisoned the fucking lot. Oh. Everything in that river died. And you're like, oh my god! And it was just a desperate attempt to get rid of this particular oh, parasite. So sick of it, lad. Yeah, it's, it's a bit sad, isn't it? Really, we just have to sort of, we have to be a bit more careful, really. And you you could easy do that, couldn't you? Those some hungry people somewhere, just like come get your crayfish or something. Well, that, that's that's the thing which I I can't figure. Is let's eat these crayfish. Yeah, eat them, yeah. Well, same me. Fucking delicious. <laughs> oh, aren't they? I proper love them. <laughs> that's mm. what we need. We need more and more crayfish eaters. Yeah, baby. Bit of vinegar and pepper. Oh. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> Squeeze a lime. You can imagine if what burst out of your crayfish was a parasitic wasp with oh, a parasitic wasp no. within it. <laughs> Burn them all, burn everything. <laughs> Musical interlude today. Oh, a musical interlude. Oh. Yeah. So this is ten of the most disturbing folk songs in history. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Disturbing folk songs. Yeah. This was a great little piece I found on the BBC website, and they, they kind of covered it all here. You know what I mean? So I thought, oh, that's, that's yeah. it. It's yeah, that's quite good. So number one, as they put it, is a yeah. song called "The Died." Love. So this is the most disturbing one ever. If it's number one, or is it just not ranked? Uh, no, it's just a list of ten. Uh, yeah, yeah. I personally think number two is the, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know? Let's get this on. So it says, "Matters of the heart have a habit of turning red, raw, and bloody in traditional songs, and so it goes with died for love." It's also known as a sailor's life, sweet William, and Willie the bold, bold sailor boy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Right, and it's a tale of a woman pined for her true love who was set out to sea and not returned. Desperate to find him, she sets out to see herself and meets the Queen's ship. And she asks if they have seen William. And after some discussion over the cut and colour of his hair and coat, they tell her he has drowned. 
but some version of the song end here, but died for love, right? Uh, continues with a verse in which her father enters her bedroom to find her hanging by a rope oh. with a note attached to her chest asking him to bury her with the marble stones at her head and feet with a snow white dove in the middle just to let the world know that I died for love. Oh, whoa. And then we're going to have a little, we're going to have a little clip of the, of the one of my favourite bands actually, this is the Unfanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're very, very good. She's got a beautiful voice, hasn't oh, she? Oh, amazing! Is she local? Where's that accent? Uh, I think, uh, I think, I believe they're from Yorkshire. I've seen live. Yeah. No, she the, can. Uh, there's a bit yeah. of her accent in the title. Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's beautiful, Bert. Wow, oh, wow. <laughs> That's bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it? really bleak. And uh, so, what we got the next one is that is the number two on the list is the cruel mother. All right. <laughs> And this queasy tale of infanticide has been sung by everyone from uh, Cecilia Costello to the Dubliners, right? All sorts of people about yeah. recorders. And it concerns a woman who kills her two newborn children with a knife. <laughs> but the blade becomes unwashable. And the more she wipes it, the more red it grows. Oh, God. She then meets two babies in the entrance to a church, right? And tells them she'd treat them wonderfully if they were hers. And they turn out to be the ghosts of her own children. Who tell her that she's bound for hell? <laughs> <laughs> You're bound for hell, mother. God. So let's have a little bit of uh, the cruel mother. This is by Shirley Collins. Is this? Tell you what, I love folk. You know I, what I mean, do know. I, and the, the bleaker the better. Yeah. One of my favourite ones is a Donovan's version of Donna, Donna, Donna. Have you heard that one? That's bleak as shit, man. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I proper love it though. There's some 
it's real, isn't it? You know what I mean? In a way, there is. I agree with you there. There's a, there's a, is a uh, an unvarnished reality. Yeah, it, yeah. It's earthy it? and it's right outside your door, isn't it? In, what, like, what's nice as well for people like us is it's some of the few music genres where you hear the accent. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, yeah, you yeah. do hear sort of like yeah. When I was wandering down the park. <laughs> <laughs> it's even dirty old town. The original ones are yeah. beautiful. Just you know, acoustic oh, girl by you know, yeah. like factory walls and canals, and you know yeah. what I mean. It's just it's so really you, real, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. In Route sixty six and all that bollocks. It's <laughs> yeah. like you know, it's, 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 it's absolutely true. So the, we've got all of the uh, we've got more to get through. Yeah, let's go, baby. So we've got three. We've got the unquiet grave, <laughs> right? And this is a song of mourning that takes a dark turn into gothic nihilism. <laughs> A woman throws herself on the grave of her true love, desperate for one last kiss to relieve her grief. And the passion is such that, after a year-long graveside vigil, her man rises up to oh. speak to her, so that he can truly rest in, so that he can truly rest in peace. Because wow. he's fucking had enough yeah. of her. <laughs> like, will you pack it in? And she begs for a kiss, but he warns her that his lips are cold as the clay, uh. and that a kiss from him would end her life too. And, he, and he, so in this, in this one particular version, I don't know if this is the version we've got. We'll have yeah. to have a little look in there. I don't know, but he explains that that love, while it was once the fairest flower that e'er was seen, has withered to the stalk, and the stalk is withered dry. True love, so must our hearts decay. Then rest yourself content, my dear, till God calls you away. So yeah, so that's a nice one. So we have a little listen yeah, to that yeah, one. That's yeah, that's a little bit of like that graveside kissing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a version by Siobhan Miller is this one Little bit, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> That's bleak as shit, is that, isn't it? Wow. You're you kissing me clay cold lips. Wow. I love it. Go bleaker, our kid. Go bleaker. <laughs> well, this one is pretty bleak because this sort of brings things up in a bit of a bit of a more of a modern sort of like, weirdly enough, you said Route 66. It's oh, yeah. by Bob Dylan. Oh. So this is a. <laughs> 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 is that Bob Dylan? How are you doing, Bob? You alright? <laughs> The allegations suck. <laughs> <laughs> if you 
Dirty Bob. Naughty Bob. <laughs> Naughty Bobby. <laughs> and this is the uh, the lonesome death of Hattie Carroll. And this account of the death of black hotel worker is drawn from contemporary history. Oh, wow, cool. So, yeah. He's done a few. He's not bad when he. Hurricane albums. Fantastic. Is about, it? about that boxer that's falsely accused and he goes down for a massive stretch. So, there's a whole beautiful story about that. And he really yeah. kicks off that story again. And um, Flanagan's daughters. Oh, I'll look at that then. I'll look oh, that. Hurricane's I'm, I'm wanting to get into Dylan, but then. Mate, don't listen to anything else, just put a Hurricane album oh, right, on. And I mean, it. right from the opening song, you're like, shit, here we go. It's yeah. a ride, man. It's a oh, right, ride. Oh, right, There's a little top yeah. tip from Benny there. I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> but for that now, I don't know where this, uh, which album this one's down. You know mm. what I mean? But it's, uh, it's actually a story about. Um, uh, it's a 24 year old tobacco plantation owner, William Zanziger. Who wrapped Hattie Carroll with his cane for not serving his drink fast enough? Oh, right, and she collapsed and died of heart failure and received a six-month jail sentence. Oh. Right. So, shall we have a little listen yeah, to a bit of Bobby yeah. D? Come on, Bob, <laughs> slag him off. <laughs> Williams and Zinger killed poor Hattie Carroll with a cane that he twirled around his diamond ring finger. Involved in my hotel society gathering. And the cops were called in, and his weapon took from him as they rolled him in custody down to the station and booked Williams and Zinger for first degree murder. So then we've got a little bit of Bobby D. Yeah, there. well done, Bobby, bringing yeah. that to our attention. Yeah. What a horrible story that is. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> God, America, man. Woo! Not just there, is it? Like, I know, I know. But, I mean, yeah. Oh, man, actually, I was thinking about that last night, you know, and you really think, God, we were awful to the whole world. <laughs> really awful. No, I think this is it when people say we should be proud of our country. So, well, well, you should be patriotic, you, know, you should be proud of your country. I'm still a bit embarrassed, to be honest. He's, he's embarrassing. I think the proper haters for it. <laughs> I think they do it all. With good reason. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So on that, again, that little cheery sound. What we'll do is one call, uh, here called um, "Cold Haley Rainy Night." <laughs> nice, yeah. Haley as in hailstorm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, that's you good. know, that's bleak. And it tells us a story of a soldier or traveller who stuck outside the window of a young woman on a rotten evening. It's really bad. What, you he's know? peeking through a window. Yeah, and he's, ha- he's wrapping on window, sort of thinking, and he's saying, like, mm, he "I'm glad he's wrapping on window." <laughs> <laughs> And he begs to come inside to get warm, and he's quote unquote is, oh my hat is frozen to my head and my feet are like two lumps of lead, Ooh. right? And then despite the risk of discovery, she eventually lets him in, and one thing leads to another, oh, right? Yeah. And she proposes, uh, she proposes marriage, but he's not interested. Puts his hat back on and fucks off, <laughs> <laughs> what? leaving yeah. her reputation in tatters. <gasps> oh, that's evil. Rotten in it. So she have a bit of cold, haily, rainy yeah, night. Yeah, some bit of that. So there we have it. <laughs> wow, a bit psychedelic, wasn't it? It's good. That, That's yeah. what I call the Imagined Village. Wow. Yeah, and they're actually really good. You want to it's so, I like that, you know, that weird kind of bit in background of it, like hurdy gurdy fucking yeah, craziness. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? That yeah. age old story of someone shooting the pud and they're off. <laughs> <laughs> the panda <See> <laughs> shoots and leaves. <Yeah. laughs> See you, bye. <laughs> Laters.
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. A stinky rotter. So, so, so number six, we've got the Knoxville Girl, right? Uh, the Knoxville Girl, right? And it's also known as the Oxford Tragedy or something like this. Can you do it a bit more top of Popsy, please? <laughs> <laughs> and then number six, we've got <laughs> this bleak tune coming from. <laughs> so this is um, uh, this is uh, well, it's like a bit of a murder ballad sort of thing. And nice. This is, this is the singer hits the object of his affections with a stick many times. Although early variants have a stab with a knife, then drown for good measure. <laughs> and each version tends to end in a similar way, with the singers realising he's bound for prison and maybe the gallows, and also most certainly for eternal damnation. Oh, I did someone with a stick, Lord. Yeah, and this one is by uh, the person who does, always does a, uh, a great version of anything like this, Benedict Cave. Oh, nice. He just couldn't see me beat. Go get mop and bucket and clean up all that mess. Get your clothes in, wash your two. Jesus. Oh, Whoa, King of Bleak. Well yeah. done, Mickey. It's actually getting darker as they go on. Ah, they? They're, they're, they're getting a lot of heavy hitters. <laughs> Murderer. <laughs> so the next one we've got is one called uh, Matty Groves, right? And um, What's happening in these? Uh, like well, this is kicking a, shit out a lot of puppies yeah. or something. Well, but what it is in this one is um, it's a story of the young man who catches the eye of the local lord's wife. Oh, I know. Nice. So it's like you know, so and Matty at first refuses her advances, then capitulates, Ooh. right? But one of Lord Donald's servants has told the master, right? Oh, and outraged, the lord finds the couple in bed and insists that Matty fight. <laughs> Matty, who is naked, <laughs> gets the first put first punch in. Well, you right? got to do, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> but then he's immediately killed. Oh Jesus! Right. Why did he tool up? I, I, think, I think he tooled up her in a sword. Or something oh, like that, you know what I mean. And um, and then the Lord Donald asks his wife which of the two she prefers, and she said, "Dead Matty." <gasps> so Lord Donald kills her too and buries the two lovers in the same grave with her on top because she's posh. Because <laughs> she's posh. Because she's posh. She's she the, was... she's the more the landed gentry than he oh, is. All right, so he's anything sexual. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buried with, with her bent over and <laughs> hanging out, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out back of it. <laughs> so what? Do we fancy a little bit of Matty? Oh, all right, let's yeah. get this on. Get to the best bit, our kid. He could have rhymed it with what she said. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. We're burying our lady on top with his wanger sticking in. 
That was a jaunty one, wasn't it? She was stuck against walls. Yeah, <laughs> he did it that hard with sword. Stabbed against walls. Wow, oh, man. That's a mad one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was good. What else you got? Well, it's okay, we've only got three left, right? And I think these get a bit cheerier. Oh. Um, so, coming at number eight is O'Death. <laughs> Just simple. Simple O'Death, yeah. A bit like... So it's also it's a, a song of a desperate ill person begging for the life with death himself boasting that it will shut the body down. Whoa. Right? And why? Simple. I'm death. I come to take the soul. Leave the body and leave it cold. To draw up the flesh from the frame. Dirt and worm both have a claim. Wow. So shove a little bit of that. Yeah, so a bit So like the last that. one there, well, that was by Fair, Fairport Convention before that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, John. Don't give them a, and this is, uh, this is, this is Old Death by uh, Rising Appalachia. Is that, that is proper ace, man. <laughs> so yeah, wow. that is uh, that is uh, rising Appalachia. So wow, I'll be, uh, really good. I love that. Cool is that. Great yeah. idea with it. You, I've probably gone on about it before. What, what's that movie where it, that night the dude out of Exorcist, the old priest, but he's really young um, and he's playing chess with death on the beach. Oh. um the seventh seal. Yeah, baby. Well, I mean, funny enough, that was the picture we used for last. Uh, is for, it? For the episode. Oh man, yeah. have, you, have you ever seen Max it? Max von Sydow. Yeah, yeah, the man who lives forever. He's, I think yeah. he's still kicking about now. No, he it? has died. Yeah. Has he? Only very recently, though. God, yeah. it's creepy. How his career was massive. Yeah, if you want to see a, 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 a proper film career, look yeah. at Max von Sydow. Yeah. It looks like he was in films from the time of about ten. Yeah, he came out as soon as you were born. He was there. Yeah, like, saying his shit. Uh, yeah. But that is such a good. Have you seen it? No. Oh man, it's on YouTube for free. I really recommend watching it. It is yeah. a fantastic film. But that idea of, you know, that bargaining with death. You know, that idea of it. It's, it's, it's fascinating, mate. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. I think so. Now this 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 particular piece of music really captures it. Yeah. But oh, death is actually a very old song. It's not. Is just, it? Yeah. yeah. So this is their interpretation. But each yeah. one of these basically is the interpretations of these songs. Which I love about folk again, though that he never yeah. dies, does it? He just gets reborn and added to and yeah. added a twist and a take to it. It's brilliant. That's it. I think it is. It's really it really works well. Does that? So mm. you know. So what we need now, I'd like to say, in the, in the process of getting a bit lighter, you know. Oh yeah. We've got hanging on the old barbed wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cheery classic, lovely. Yeah. yeah, but this is this is great. Actually, this because it's about um, it's from the, it's a song of the nineteen eighteen trenches. Oh God, that's great, you know man. I mean? Yeah, so it's like that it's, sounds it. It's, it's but the thing is, it, it's like it's a satirical sort of song, really, is this? Yeah. Because it's like it's sort of, it's basically saying you, you if you're looking for like if you're looking 
where a particular person of a particular rank might be found. Yeah. Or I can tell you where so-and-so will be found. The colonel is on seven days leave kind of thing. Yeah, you're looking yeah. for the colonel, he's on seven days leave. <laughs> you're looking for the captain, he's pinning medals on somebody's chest. Yeah, busy, you know, On busy. his own chest or something yeah, like that. Yeah. If you're looking for the sergeant, he's drunk on canteen floor. You know, it's all <laughs> that sort of stuff, you know. But if you're looking for the, the battalion, they're hanging on the old barbed wire. That's oh what I'm saying. God, like the, yeah. It's like the battle forward got shot and just went exactly and yeah. fell. They're the kind of cannon for them. So, doing a little bit of a listen yeah, to that. Yeah, fascinating. Up. This is by Frank McConnell. If you want to find the Colonel, I know where he is. I know where he is. I know where he is. If you want to find the Colonel, I know where he is. Home again on seven days leave. I fucking turn it off, it terrifies me. <laughs> I can't handle them people, those like musical people that sound like that. I can't handle it, man. Oh, honestly, oh, 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 my skin crawled with that. Yeah, I can't even pretend to do it. You know that? Hanging on the old bad boy. Oh, he's get away from me. <laughs> Where's my washboard? He's <laughs> on oh, crikey. No, no, oh, that's my worst one with that, man. Yeah, that is a bit of a weird one. No, that, I didn't like know. it. So the last one is it's going to be called On Morecambe Bay, which is yeah. it's not too far from the old cove, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're in the same sort of latitude kind of uh, thing, you know. So this is actually really quite something you might remember, uh, remember on Morecambe Bay, right? Because it's oh. about the death of the cockle pickers. Man, he just popped in there. Yeah, yeah, 2004. So it's quite a long time ago, yeah. 19 years ago. Oh, that's, that's mad, you know. And it was, uh, for those who don't know, who remember what happened. It was absolutely horrible, this. In 2004, at least 21 illegally employed Chinese migrant workers died while picking cockles in Morecambe Bay when they were caught by the incoming tide. Uh, and the human side of this preventable tragedy was captured in a song on Morecambe Bay by Kevin Littlewood, who was, uh, which has been memorably covered by Christy Moore. I love Christy Moore, great singers, Christy Moore. No, I you know, I mean, I don't know if this is the version we've got, right? But from the first verse, he finds himself wishing he could have stepped forward to warn them the way our mothers warned local children that you can't outrun the tide, and then introduces this poetic refrain. The tide is the devil, it will run you out of breath, race you to the seashore, chase you to your death. The tide is the very devil, and the devil has its day on the lonely cockle banks of Morecambe Bay. Oh, God, that's good, isn't sure, it? Yeah, so do you fancy a little yeah, listen to that? Yep. Let's go cockle picking. So this is the Christy Moore version. Yeah. So, yeah. Devil has its day on the lonely cock 
So there we have Jesus. it, you know. <laughs> We've got a piney for some muscles and cockles, yeah, have you? That's it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. What? I'll, I'll be alright, like. I'll, you know, I'll just have some chips. <laughs> just pop tea with a little polystyrene bowl. What? Well, <laughs> when they come pop tea. <laughs> Get out of there, you Chinese! Get some cockle. What do you care who gets them? I'm just like, as long as you have some. No, a real tragedy with that. That's a rewind. Real yeah. out of bucket. But like I say, that was that was a Christy Moore version. So if you want to listen to all of these, um, I'm, I'm going to try and put uh, post links to all these songs. If you want yeah, to yeah, listen yeah. to them in full, we can't listen to them in full here. It's a bit naughty the amount we played. To exactly. Get pulled up. Nobody fucking listens anyway. We see. Just meeting Ben shouting at each other. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're only going to be able to put sort of live. We've only played you a, a small snippet, a portion of these songs, just so you get a flavour. Um, but seek them out because they're all they're all good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, some nice cheery tunes. Oh, I feel well cheered up, Barkin. <laughs> Wonderful. Pass the cockles. <laughs> Remy, this is fucking fair. How <laughs> <laughs> come I'm a Remy? I've got mad, mad he's like fucking linguistic. That's what I mean, I got a fuck all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I only caught, you know, like what you're good at. I always caught um, one floor of a cuckoo's nest, you're just fucking and fighting. <laughs> Come to a character who could be out of one of these fucking scary sort of songs. This character, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, this, this, I found this genuinely weird, right? Now, have you, have you ever heard of The Watcher? I don't think so. He rings a bell, yeah. but I don't know if he's a bloody film or something. Well, this is a uh, um, this is written by Maddie Rowley for a, a website called Hunter Killer, right? And in that game, or something. Uh, I think there is. Yeah, I think yeah. there is a game. Yeah, it's something yeah. like that. So I don't know. This is just that's where I found yeah. it. You know, it's like I followed a bit of a rabbit, uh, yeah. a bit of a rabbit hole down at this one. If you've ever purchased a new house, it's usually a happy occasion. You pack up all your belongings and start a new in a place you can decorate however you want. A home in which you'll make a lifetime of memories. That's how it went for Derek and Maria Broadus when they purchased a historical house in Westfield, New Jersey. A coveted suburb 16 miles southwest of New York City. The house, located at 657 Boulevard, was built in 1905 and boasted six bedrooms, which meant plenty of room left over for the broadest family of five Derek, Maria, and their three children. Even before they moved in, however, their dreams started to turn into a nightmare. They began receiving anonymous letters from someone who called themselves The Watcher. While Derek was prepping the interior of the house, before they moved in, he checked the mail to find the anonymous letter. It reads, Your dearest new neighbour at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighbourhood. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. 
My grandfather watched the house in the 20s, and my father watched it in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. God almighty, this rings a bit of a bell. Uh, yeah. It really does, but pray for us. Yeah. So Derek disturbed complaints and told them about threatening letters. And then it sent an email to the previous homeowners, John and Andrea Woods, because one line in the Watcher's letter seemed to mention them and the Broadus' children. I asked the Woods to bring me your blood, and it looks like they listen. God. So he's mentioning the... So this letter, I mean, it's a big old letter he's been mm. sending, you know, so... The Woods responded and said that it had received only one letter from someone claiming to be the Watcher right before they moved out. And in the 23 years they'd lived in the house, they hadn't received another letter like it. So she dismissed it and threw the letter away. But after the letter, the Broadduses were pretty freaked out. Especially when, according to the website and a thing called The Cut, mm. uh, Derek was given a tour of the renovations to some neighbour and a woman suddenly said, it'd be nice to have some young blood in the neighbourhood. Oh, God. So that could be, you know, it's a yeah. potential lead there, you know what I mean? But a second envelope arrived a few weeks later, and it read in part, The workers have been busy, and I've been watching you load carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found out what's in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are you too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. You will help me to know who is in the bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and the doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I passed by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Brother's family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Jesus, I'd have to go John Rambo in bloody woods or something, man, you know what I mean? I'm even watching my house. I know, you do. thing is, though, if, if it's somebody who's just saying that, then, then fucking off for ages, you know what I mean? And not doing anything, and uh, then coming back and coming back. Oh, and, no, you know, I'll do a week in woods, me. I'll just, like, lay still in my own yeah, dookie way. To, yeah, you'd <laughs> get night vision goggles, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. God, I couldn't have that. No. 
At first, the Broadduses thought the mysterious letters might be from someone who really wanted the house, but lost it in a bidding war, or maybe even disgruntled neighbours who wasn't fond of the house's renovations or the thought of having kids next door. And their immediate next-door neighbour stood out as a real possibility, as they had lived in the house since the 1960s, and they had a view from which they could generally see what was going on in, in and around the Broadduses' house. Yeah. So Derek set up cameras all over the house and even stayed up late mapping out the yeah. neighbourhood. <laughs> Noting about. when certain families had moved in while keeping a close eye on the streets to see if any suspicious vehicles were driving by. And the couple decided to sell the home just six months after receiving the first letter. But when they couldn't sell it due to the rumours spreading around town about the house, they decided to rent it out instead. Oh. So interestingly, when the police finally conducted a DNA analysis on the letters, they found that the DNA traced back to a woman. Wow. They looked at the next door neighbour, one of whom was a woman, but the DNA didn't match up. The next door neighbours were eventually ruled out. So some people in town started to think that maybe the Broadduses had written and sent the letters to themselves, perhaps to get out of the contract they signed to buy the new home. But Maria's DNA was tested and it wasn't a match. The watcher then sent a third letter to the couple that was later renting the house in 2017. And the tenant turned the envelope over to Derek. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbours who had no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know, and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took up my neighbourhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher! Oh God! Complete loon! That is, isn't it? Yeah. She's just blagging it, thinking if you send them letters, yeah, you're going to be looking out your window a lot, aren't you? I know. Know I mean? And it was more um, CCTV than binoculars and telescopes, wasn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? So, well, God. no, she's out. I think that she's been shot. She, we think it's a she, don't we? Yeah, yeah. She's the one who's watching oh. with binoculars and telescopes. Oh, all right, all the way around. Yeah. Right. According to CNN, in July of 2019, the Broadduses were finally able to sell the home for $959,000. Oh, it's a mansion. But it's about $340,000 less than what they originally bought it for. Wow. What a hit. <laughs> so, the, the new owners of the home haven't been identified and haven't spoken out as, if they, uh, as to if they've received letters or not from the Watcher. The Watcher's never been caught or identified. God. What about that, the Watcher? Well, just first of all, you know, taking such a loss in your house, I'd be like getting some private investigators and ex, you know, army dudes everywhere and stuff, you know? Yeah, I, mean? I think I think I'd be like that, especially if you get, they've obviously got a bit of poke, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? I'd get some real mean ass private detective to go like solve the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, it's like a female, it's, it's like there's loads of nutty men in there you know what yeah. I mean you wonder if it's easier to find the nutty woman I thought it was going to be a different story though, cause I had a, um, a tale about um, outside in New York this bloke had, you know like in 1900s or something he'd whisked his wife away who loved a city life and stuff and he built a massive house in the middle of nowhere but he ended up being some devil he was an English bloke worked in America but he ended up being some mad devil worshipper dude you know holding really bad satanic parties around there and that well, we, we need to do is get a bit of research ain't it because <laughs> I was like you're going to say it with the same house you know no, what I mean that someone no. had been watching it after those 
because um, I know it went into derelict after he kind of moved out. No, but this no, this one's like I say, it's uh, it, it's, it's just a yeah. just a watch. It's almost like an Agatha Christie one, yeah. isn't it? You know, just this. And who could you be asked? Exactly, why be asked? You know, with like yeah. one particular house, she must have some connection there. You know, like a job there, or she yeah. lived there, or always wanted it well i think i think it might be that i think it might be uh, that she always always coveted that particular house and then mm. when somebody's moving in and changing it from what her original yeah. sort of love of the house was and to claim that other people are, it might be in a case that you know rather than a grandfather watching it it might be they, they have watched it and said oh that's a lovely old house yeah, that, she yeah. just followed the family tradition of yeah, saying one, that's a lovely old house yeah that want of yeah. it everybody's wanted it she's yeah. just got all weird and all spinstery over yeah done bitter and when you say that there was uh, there was a case uh, I've forgotten what it was recently I was, I was listening to and it was a woman who'd had poison pen letters all her life really uh, bad but to the point where she started getting attacked um, by this person who was stalking and hunting her oh. uh, and eventually she attacked and stabbed oh, right Jesus. and turns out she's sending the letters to herself and she stabbed herself. All this stuff has created this complete mad world Christ. around herself. You know, so you know, I don't think the brothers in this case did it to themselves. Yeah, I just don't yeah. think they did. You gotta look close though. In these situations it's someone really close. Yeah, I think, think it's someone I think like it's someone that close. bit with neighbour or you know, someone you, the person you bought the house from just someone else in your family or something, yeah. you know I mean? So it's normally the case, and when you boil it down, God, doing it to yourself. Yeah, man. so that's the thing, so you've got to be careful, keep an eye on those who are watching your windows. Yeah. Who's peering through the letterbox? All hail the watcher! <laughs> <laughs> Well, our kid, it's that time. Oh, not that time already. We're having a bit of a bumper batch. This oh, mate, it's a great episode. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's on a lot of fun here. So, mm. what we're going to do, I'm going back. I'm going back in time a little bit to 1921. Oh. Right, this, I, I, this is, I just found a, an old uh, newspaper article, right? Weird. And it was from Yorkshire Evening Post, but it's not a Yorkshire mystery, this yeah. it's a strange one. And it says, it's the, the headline just says, Mercury in a loaf finds a body. Mm, mercury in a loaf. Right. It says, an old time superstition crops up again. A loaf of bread containing mercury is stated to have been the means of finding the body of Mr. John Brin, 65, an employee of Messrs. Brunner, Monden Co. Would be missing for six days and was supposed to have been drowned in the canal or brooks at Wheelock Sandbatch. The police had dragged the canal and brooks for six days without success, and the method of the loaf and mercury was suggested by an old boatman called Tolly. Wow, Tolly? Yeah. Oh. So the loaf was floated on the canal and afterwards removed to the adjacent brook. It swirled on the surface and stopped directly over the body. Which was then recovered by dragging. It was I was an eyewitness of this strange occurrence, writes a correspondent, and can vouch for the loaf withstanding the strong current of the brook floating directly over the body. And it is supposed that Bryn fell into the swollen brook after attending the engines of the pumping station on Saturday night. The belief that a loaf filled with mercury will find a dead body is common among superstitious folk, and not in England only. 
it figures in one of Mark Twain's stories of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> and other unlikely means are also adopted in the country when waters are, are being searched for, uh, for a corpse. The commonest is to take a piece of shingle, which is a wooden tile used before slates came into vogue, <laughs> <laughs> and having inserted a lighted candle in the centre, set it adrift on the water, and it is believed to halt immediately above the body. In some districts, a cake of unleavened bread is substituted for a shingle. So an eminent Manchester scientist questioned about the mercury loaded loaf, said he considered the idea ridiculous. <laughs> if it had been done in the sandbatch case, it was merely a fluke. But that's the man of science says yeah, that. Yeah, he's good at it, isn't he? I don't understand his, his absolute total wash. And it's <laughs> like, you, you don't know, do you? You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's all right saying that. Well, you know, I find mercury a weird substance. Exactly. Anyway. But if you put mercury with yeast and, you know, cooked your bread, you don't know what kind of thing that's actually making, do you? With no. water than a decomposing body. It's got a bubble up some shit, hasn't it? You know what I mean? Well, mercury was used uh, as a treatment for syphilis. Oh. It was actually ingested. People used to t used to take mercury. Oh my god! Yeah, there's there's quite a few medicines that contain mercury back in the day. Oh, that's which good. isn't gonna be good at all, is it? No. Isn't it? I don't know if you took a little bit, it'd go straight, fucking shoot straight out of your bum hole. What? Well, <laughs> 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 Well, it goes straight to the straight away, bang! Immediately straight away, <laughs> immediately straight away comes out. You put it in, it's come out of your asshole straight up. What? You can feed it, you can do a chain. I think that's not true. Well, that's not true. That's not what I heard it from. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a very dangerous metal. You shouldn't touch it. Also, yeah. obviously ingest it. It's just completely oh, fucks you. Yeah. Old G Force had a. You remember he had like a, a, a vial of it. Yeah. I was like that. Gary's me with it on my hand. Like, yeah, I wear it all. G Force, you could have told the label that stuff. No, I can't fucking remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> fucking head full of mercury. <laughs> As well, that's so funny. It was an irresistible one. Yeah, no. <laughs> he shook it in tube and it kind of went back together. Fall apart, loads of little beads of it, and yeah, then it just yeah. sucked back together like it a like, fucking superhero. Yeah, or man, it was like Terminator Two. It was. Not like I can remember Terminator Two now because I've been handling fucking Mercury. <laughs> oh God. Oh Jesus. That's a funny one. How? Where do you get mercury from? Do you know, I've always thought this. Yeah. You, 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 you dig it all up and find a big puddle of it somewhere. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's well odd, isn't it? Can you imagine how, how a short life you'd have if you were a mercury miner? Oh. No. Well, I bad. don't understand that. No. But how did they have enough to put in a loaf to sail it down river and find dead bodies? It's know. like. I can never understand where, where helium comes from, because surely if you find a load of helium, it just floats off. <laughs> it's true, isn't it, yeah? Well, quick, quick, get it back! Oh, be like, quick, quick, get it back! <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can tell! Yeah. <laughs> Drag him out, get the balloons! <laughs> Right, anyway, it's been a fucking massive episode. I think it's time for us to fucking go. Yeah, we best, we've got some work to do. Yeah. So please get in touch if you've managed to have a story for us and uh, we'll, hope we'll, we'll see you for the big finale next 
week. It is going to be spooky dookie, guys. Get them in, be part of it. So it just remains for me to say it's a big bye bye from Matt. Uh, It's a bigger bye bye from Benny. (laughs) 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 There are three ways you may contact Kraken Coles either by email at podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at Crackencove or Instagram at Crackencovepod. Ha ha!